Starting to think that we might have our shit together, and uh, feels good. It's going to be uh, Taylor Trash Fly Fishing episode thirty, right here from lovely Oak Hill, Florida. We are gathered around that old oak table, and uh, it's going to be Mark and Ben and <laughs> yeah. I. And it's going to going to be a fun evening. It's Saturday night. How's it going, fellas? Feels good. good to be home. Can't complain. My belly's full. It's got a. Uh, it's had chicken, sausages, and and a beer. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. The uh, the old Traeger did not let us down tonight. That no. Was some, no, that was some good vittles, and it was it was actually the tag team Traeger because you did the Boston Beans on your Traeger. Brought him up here. We warmed him up. We did some. Uh, Pretty nice sausages from freaking uh, awesome from Wisconsin, yeah. Doggy Daddy. I'm yeah. uh, enjoying a spotted cow from New Glarus Brewing Company as we speak. In fact, I think I need to go get me one because <laughs> I realize I'm beverageless. And uh, our our wings tonight were uh, smoked for two and a half, almost three hours, and then finished off with uh, some pretty awesome wing sauce that. Uh, Kevin, Had a little bite Ke- to it. Kevin Reynolds brought over. Nice. So, uh, yeah, fucking outstanding way to start the evening. So, uh, Mark, welcome back. Yeah. It's definitely uh, good to be back in the humidity. Not really. Not but, really. No. Trust me, not really. <laughs> not really. Man, I, I fished this afternoon, and it was probably the first time in a couple of months that I've been out, like, solo. Um, you know, I've been out a few times, like I had Mike Johnson out and I had Brandon out uh, a couple of weekends, maybe even last weekend, as a matter of fact. And, you know, I was just on the back of the skiff and, uh, doing it by yourself. Um, I don't know whether it's just the workloads a little bit more or whatever it is, but man, I was absolutely just gassed with, the heat it was overcast today you could like chew the air before you breathe and it got to the point where i actually took my sunglasses off because it was just the amount of sweat i was like man this ain't working it's like it feels worse than whatever little benefit when it's overcast that you get from seeing right and and the fish were being fairly cool. I had some bank crawlers and some tailors. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, you know what? I don't need to see into the water. I'm just going to fucking, you know, because if I kept the sunglasses on, just all everything that was happening was not 
fucking working for me. So well, and then you get like that salt fume in your eye that like makes your eyes uh, water, just, even though there's uh, no salt in your eye. Yeah. The uh, so anyway, welcome back to the humidity. Um, love it. We're glad to have you back. <laughs> suffering with us. Were uh, did you leave before or after the uh, test flight that uh, they did with the crew capsule? I want to say before. Were you gone for that? I was. Yeah. You know, I I actually watched that from over Castleberry Way, and I think it was on a Monday. Wasn't it a Monday yeah. morning or something like yeah. that? What a fucking awesome it was. I think it was July 3rd. Or am I getting that mixed up? Mm, or was I, it after? No, it had... Is it like 20-something? It was late June. Yeah, 29th, yeah. I think. Yeah. 27th or 29th, because yeah. Brad was helping with that launch, and then as soon as it cleared and he got up, he was going to pick his family up up north, and they made it back before the 4th. Okay. Yeah, yeah I just know... I, I must have had to... You know, I had something going on over there that I had to attend to, because typically I would have liked to have been here for that. Yeah. And, like... It was it was an early morning, like seven a.m. kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, it was really cool to watch, like even from far away, because you could see when when that thing like did the oh shit maneuver and like fired the you know it, you could see it. You know, and I'm I'm from from Castleberry. I'm what forty five fifty miles away yeah. from yeah. the launch pad or whatever. And then like I boogied back inside and watched. And some of the footage from over at the Cape, you know, this is like fucking so typical NASA, right? So they're like, today we are testing the ability for this rocket to separate from the crew capsule in the event that there's an anomaly. Um, And this was a successful test mission. And stop looking don't worry about the fact that we <laughs> did not we did not use parachutes to recover that yeah. spacecraft we've already tested that right we've, yeah we've already done that and like <laughs> literally you saw that thing fucking just come falling in the when it hit the fucking water it was like a depth like, charge yep, going on i was like holy shit it, and they're like yeah no we're good that's cool we're yeah. not going to spend that much money. To that was test like that again. just four billion dollars worth of right. you know space hardware. Eh. Brief. <laughs> Government's <laughs> right. going to write another check. We're good. Right. But I mean, I set an alarm early to watch it uh-huh. on the phone. Oh, okay. To stream it. Oh shoot. And uh, you can take you can take the boy off the space because you can't do this. Yeah. No, no it's I'm not. Really, I'm the actually same. like genuinely it's, really impressed. You did that. Yeah. It's, it's not the same. So if you watch it, Oh the, yeah, there's you the, need in your well, space nerd, you need to come experience. And it's a it's real even one. cooler. Cause like growing up, I live what? 50 miles. Well, from the Cape, I'm probably 35, 40, yeah, probably right. same as you. Yeah. Growing up as a kid, like you can see it clear as day, especially night launches. You can see like almost to some extent, like the pillars of the heat waves and the fire, and as that thing's lifting off and the jets are going and boosters or whatever. Rockets. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, none of these are it. Um, it's uh, 1040. Smart Ben's going to sleep. Um, so, but like even just seeing it 
in Titusville, closing that gap like in yep. two thirds is like a total different experience. So oh, like, yeah. the closer you get, the cooler and cooler and cooler it is. Now, you know, talk about like watching the launch from like closer to the Cape, like whether it's in Titusville yeah. or out on the lagoon or whatever, you know, if you're like, man, I really want to see this launch and you like invest the time and the effort and you go out there, you're fucking guaranteed it's going to scrub. Right. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So like when Mike was in for the dinghy derby, originally he was like trying to stick around to, to see the launch. Oh, the heavy. And yeah, yeah, the Falcon heavy. And we were like, well, it's Monday night. You know, I mean, it could get delayed. So if you stay, you're not leaving until Tuesday morning. And, you know, it could be that you stay up till 11 o'clock at night and find out that they're fucking you. So he ended up, you know, taking off because it was just, you know. So, of course, when did that fucking thing go off? Monday. Monday, 11 sharp. Yeah, it did. But if he had stuck around, it would have been like, um, and, and, and they never, like, just, like, hard stop. They're no, like, it's like, okay, no. we're resetting. Yep. We're at four minutes holding, and we'll pick holding. up the four minutes about an hour from now. Yeah. You're like, like that, the, the fuck? Why not just say, we're going to try it in an hour. Right. Right. And it's it's funny. That's why like we used to try to do, like, and we'll still do it because it's fun to fish, but we used to try to do, like, the redfish and rockets meet up where we'll try to, like, yeah. catch a red, kind of like a flood tide type deal. Everyone meets up at the social event and watch the rocket, and the rocket launch is never coordinated with that event every time we try to do it. No, of course so not. So it just turns into dudes hanging out fishing, which is cool. Yeah. So, Mark, you, uh, as we alluded to, you were out of town. I was. I, I headed out west to the land of Colorado. Colorado. Yep. Uh, visit some family, friends, and fish. Yeah, yeah it was a it was a vacation, and uh, since we're on that whole space thing and everything, I got kind of worried for a little because we had NORAD in the backyard. Uh huh. So I was like, well, if shit pops off, hmm, what's the first place <laughs> that they aim all their nukes at? All right. No big deal. So that was kind of cool seeing that. And, you know, we did all the touristy things, Pikes Peak, which was really fun. Uh, Very cool. The little one got to see snow. There's still lots of snow. Uh, there's no, Are you shitting me? <laughs> With global warming running rampant. Right. Right. Lots of snow. Did you tell it it was July? Grow up? No. I was confused. I was like, it's supposed to be, you know, glacier melting and all this other nonsense. And no, we're without, without getting too crazy into that. It was funny. I was having a conversation with, but he's like, oh, we're just, everything's melting down South. We're screwed. It's going to flood. I was like, yeah, but go look it up North. Like they're saying the ice fields are bigger than they've ever been. And right. And, like, I'm seeing a lot of, like, quote-unquote influencers post about snowfalls at these alpine lakes and these other high mountains in Colorado and Wyoming that are dealing with snowfall yep. past the 4th of July. Right. Yep. But. Well, hey, the problem is 
if you're going to try to blame it on human influence, <laughs> you can't acknowledge that we're going into a solar minimum. And with solar minimums, you start seeing colder temperatures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's been no net warming in the last 20 years. But don't talk we about can't it. can't talk about it. Shh, it's a secret. But anyway, right. so... So you you were probably dealing with uh, a little bit of runoff. I think that's that's the Colorado I, term yes, that, I was, that you would use. Is hey, uh, we're gonna have to like really dig and try to find a place that's that's fishable because we're still dealing with runoff. Absolutely. Um, it's not because you're doing a marathon. It's because all the water is coming downhill because it, the snow's finally <laughs> fucking melting in the middle of July. Right. Which I'm no expert on it. Okay, Being, you know, a first time visitor, the water was high, yeah, and dirty, uh huh, and cold. Oh, for this Florida boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so yeah, every little fly shop you went into, you would ask, "Hey, you know, what's you- going on here? What's going on there? You can't fish there; it's too high. Did you hear too it dirty? A, did you hear it a lot of times? Be like. So, hey, fellas, what's going on? How's it going? They'd be like, oh, we got a chubby. <gasps> no? No. They were. Did you fish a chubby while you were oh, out Oh, I absolutely did. I did. And I still have a few. Just to Just for say me. I got a, we yeah, I got a chubby in my like pocket. A, a snook on a chubby or something. You could. I mean, it's a I gurgler. Bet, I, say, I bet they eat it. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, that was, that was the consensus that the rivers are too high. Right. Too dirty. I think it's one shop we stopped into, and I'm not even going to try to remember the name of the river, but I want to say they said it was moving at 9,000. That's 9,000 yeah. 9, <laughs> 9, That's Jesus. cooking. So I was like, all right. Put it in perspective. When I fished the Arkansas, it was moving at 500. <laughs> and they were told yeah. that was kind of high at the time. So... I said we did all the touristy things, hit the fly. So, yeah, we did that. And uh, from there, headed out west and put in a couple phone calls a little bit earlier to our friends out there. And, you know, got the message, no, not going to be able to, got, got things going on, this and that, but try this person. Right. So I reached out to... Uh, our friend Chris, Stash Wax, fish with a chubby. So you guys ended up fishing Leadville? Leadville area. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't want to hot spot anybody, but so where is the Leadville area relative to like Denver slash Colorado Springs where you were? Southwest. Southwest. Right. Is, is that where he lives is down that direction? Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, I almost said Gerwood because Gerwood, Alaska, but, uh, Glenwood, Glenwood. Okay. Glenwood Springs, that area got to messaging him back and forth. A few phone calls later. He's like, Hey, house is open. Come on over. Get you on some fish. Sweet. So. We ended up, you know, doing Leadville with the family and everything, and then from there we kind of broke off, and then that's where we met up with with Chris, and 
open the door and right away it was you know what we always talk about the community just it, we'd never met before mm-hmm. it was strictly phone calls and messaging and somebody vouching for somebody right um so that night took us to awesome awesome little bar they didn't have pbr though they were out really yeah so i i was a little sad on so that so did you just settle for a banquet beer i did yeah nice yeah when in when in colorado right the dirty water you know i, I <laughs> honestly think that in colorado that most of the coloradans don't drink coors they might drink coors light but they don't drink coors I don't know why. They're I think like, it's like oh, the, the touristy waters. people are like, oh, we got to go drink. Well, Chris did have some at his house. Oh, did he? refer to them cool. as... Banquets? Grenades. Grenades. They were the small, almost oh. like pony bottles. Okay. That's and so cool. when he said it, same res- grenade, what? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he did that. He had to work the next day. So my buddy Mike and I, we went out. We just did a little exploring... Uh, Went up to another little reservoir. So, where you guys were fishing in the area of Leadville, mm-hmm. were you fishing a tailwater, or were you fishing like? Or are you allowed to say? I mean, I'm sure I'm allowed <laughs> to say. Uh, ben has fished there before. It's it's not too private, but being unfamiliar with the area and not asking that question okay i don't know i know it was definitely fed from somewhere okay um so um you guys what did you end up i think i saw pictures of some browns there were there were browns and i didn't catch any, one any, still any cutthroat I did catch cutthroat, nice. caught a brook trout. Nice. Uh, my buddy Mike caught. Now, in Colorado, uh-huh. they don't like brook trout. They they're like bonk yes. the brook trout. I like it's like kill on kill, sight. kill on sight. Yeah. yeah. He told. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. But I mean, if you're gonna do that, you should at least take them home and eat right. them. So and uh, so there were also some cut bows caught. As well as rainbows, uh, there was a chance for, correct me if I'm wrong here, tiger. Okay. Tiger trout. Okay. Pretty awesome fish to see it. Um, It's a special area. It... (laughs) uh, all the fly shops know about it. So when I was going in to, you know, purchase flies and everything that he had recommended, we pick up and all that stuff and prep for the trip. Go in. Hey, I'm going to be fishing this area. I'm looking for this. And they give you that look kind of like, how? How did you, you know, get access to said place? It's like, I know a guy. Right. <laughs> but, uh. I mean, now I will tell you that as I was uh, observing on social media, once you kind of let the cat out of the bag, um, 
you uh, matriculated quite quite well. I saw you wearing the cowboy hat. <laughs> it was like, wow, look at that big old slim, tall drink of water. Just <laughs> doing the old western swing like he's grown up there. I had to try to fit in somehow. Uh-huh. And I thought that would be the easiest way uh-huh. to be like, oh, man, look at it. Oh, no, he's good. He has a, a big old br- wide brim. See I, see, I was thinking when I saw it, I was like, now Ben Sittig would be going, hey, Bob from Houston. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, I honest to God's truth, I was wearing it for sun protection. Right. Because at those elevations, you are... Yeah, where what kind of elevation were you guys fishing? Um, the air, the area we were fishing, I I want to say it was right around nine thousand feet. Holy shit! Okay, so it was up there. It was up there. A little f- rarefied air, they would call that. Oh, it kicked my ass. <laughs> you know, I, that's, I was struggling for a little bit. That's the one thing I always bring back in my memory when I go out there is like. You're not used to it. You know, shit, we live here, you know, I think we're sitting right now at 10 feet above sea level. Right. Um, you know, in my place over in Castleberry, I think I'm at 85 feet above sea yeah. level. But when I go out there, and they're like fucking mountain goats. They're like right. traipsing around like Hopping it's no around. big deal. No. And I'm like, would you slow the fuck down? I'm yeah. dying back here. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I think Melbourne's 8 to 10. And like, if I'm in Castleberry, I'm, I'm altitude sickness at 84 feet. Like, <laughs> right. Psh- Right. Yeah, the birds. So imagine nine thousand feet. Yeah, like you're a thousand feet shy of the FAA requiring you to wear oxygen supplemental. Yeah. and I thought so. There's a Mary's Glacier outside of Denver. I went and tried to hike that with a friend a couple of years ago. It's less than a mile to get to the top of the glacier, and I made it a quarter mile, and was like, I used to have really bad asthma as a kid. It's not so bad now, but like, I had to stop at a quarter mile. I was breathing real heavy for 20 minutes. Could never catch my breath. I was like, I got to stop. Like, I can't. Yeah. I literally can't get air. Yep. It was the like the closest I've felt to panic in a while. And then the next time I was out there, like 14,000, not a problem, whatever. Like, walking around on Mount Evans, no big deal. No. Nope. No rhyme or reason. It's weird. I thought hypoxia set in. I was pretty sure. <laughs> Mark's like, well, this is how we die. <laughs> this is it. But, uh, I mean, yes, excellent host. I mean, he opened his house to us, you know. We grilled out one night. I want to say it was the 4th. Oh, you were out there over the 4th of July. Yeah. Okay. Um, not a lot of firework. With, you would think with all that rain and runoff and snow, it's still pretty dry. Okay. I mean, the high desert still almost right so it's like more of like a you're not allowed to have fireworks kind of deal or just everybody's like hey it'd be cool to do this but we'd also burn the fucking neighborhood down right and you know i think you got the little joe dirt guy selling snakes and sparklers and Uh you know all the stuff that doesn't go boom but i can't wait to go back i mean lots of fish I would like to float one day uh-huh. when the waters are a little more uh, warmer, a couple feet lower. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I asked, you know, all the touristy questions. Well, you know, does this does this river typically run dirty? But no. It's not the clearest, but, you know, it 
definitely clears up and it's such a different world than what we so like where you fished did you mm-hmm. like how much like a mile of shore or, or of river that you fished a couple hundred yards like to what extent did you and is it like you pull off the side of the road and you're like right there or did you have to like hike in a bit to get to where you fish no we were pretty much riding in the back of the truck from spot to spot okay area to area so what's the word i'm like kind of like driving by a lab road okay for ditch tarpon okay you know you got a couple buddies in the back with some beer and they're ready to hop off yeah when they see that roller um any rising fish lots okay lots and in true mark fashion I had a lot of shaky knees moments. Uh-huh. <laughs> were, were you fishing hoppas or just chubbies? No, I was fishing a... Oh, he didn't make a, you throw a thing of a bobber, did he? No. Okay. No, no. A calabatus. No. Caddis. The caddis? Some type of dry fly. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you would set it there and... They'd rise three feet over here, so you pick it up real quick, kind of get it in that, mm-hmm. uh, then they'd be over here. So it was a really big, uh, we call them dragonflies. Okay. They're their damsels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, 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 quite, quite in distress. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, that was really fun, too, just, you know, putting a big old dragonfly on and just plopping it down. And watching them come and slurp it up, and you know, my got my buddy Mike on his first fly fishing fish ever. So I was pretty stoked about that, more so than the whole trip. You right. know, it was yeah to be able to share your passion right. with somebody. You know, he wanted to learn how. I taught him what I knew. Um, Chris did as well, and then Chris's father-in-law was with us. And really helped them out and kind of got them an old timer, you know. Right. Cool. And uh, now, did you fish any on your own outside of fishing with Chris? Did you like try like the local beat, you know, somewhere where you were staying, like down towards Colorado Springs, if there's even anywhere around there? In the Springs area, no. Everything is. I think the closest area we had was about two hours away. Okay. And it was a reservoir again. Okay. Uh. The only problems we had there were the amount of recreationalists, whether it be paddleboard, kayak, electric motor. But uh, those were fun. It's they're kind of like bass ponds for us. Mm-hmm. But you know, there were some that had smallmouth, some that had pike, largemouth, wide variety of fish and throw out a little popper and you're catching something okay so that was fun we did that um we didn't want to get too crazy just because of my lack of oxygen right (laughs) we found some spots and i was like you know what you can make it i don't know if i am (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so there's tons and tons of potential for him and you know we ex- i gave him chris's information so he can keep in touch with chris and you know build that relationship and kind of go from there and like i said it was i had more fun 
again, watching him catch his first rainbow than I did any other fish that I caught or he caught. It was just, it was awesome. Yeah. No other word for it. Pretty fucking rewarding. Yeah, it was. And then, uh, so yeah, we, we fished that, that secretive area and at the end of the day, shook hands, said thank yous, extended the invitation down south. Right. Um, went on our way. Okay. Yeah. So you guys just spent one day up there. We were there a total of three days. Three but days. Yeah, he okay. had a, he had a work. I got you. And uh, so that's when we kind of went off and did a little exploring and try to beat path. But now I saw it must have been right around the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, your friend is still active duty, correct. correct? So he's at what Fort Carson. Carson. There was like some crazy like parachuting going on and stuff. Was it like like so that is big? Yeah, it's, it's Independence Day celebration it's, on base. Yep, it's called Freedom Fest okay. of all things. And uh, the first two days they open it up to the public, so the public can come on base and see what they're paying for. Right, see all the cool stuff. It's a free event. I mean, except for you know the carnival rides and all the crap that comes with it, but. uh so they come in, and it's the opening ceremony, and I just hear this sound. And I I know what it is. It's a Chinook helicopter, and I got to look in, and it's kind of doing laps around, and it ended up, I want to say it was at 7.30, right when the Freedom Fest thing kind of kicked off and they made the official announcement. The Black Daggers jumped out. And, oh, what was it? Two or three of them just, you know, just, I don't want to call it a static line. Okay. But it was a, a, a quick open. Right. And then there were these two other dudes that just came out like a speed and bullet. <laughs> and I mean, just awesome. Just full rip. Right. Yeah. Free fall. Free fall, you know. Terminal velocity. I was kind of looking for Wesley Snipes and didn't see him. But to be back in that environment, it was like, damn. Yeah. This so sucks. So it's been a while. Like, how long have you been off active duty? Let's see. What is it? 19. So six going on seven years. So, so when you're back at an active duty base and hanging out, it's got to be tough to see like everything that's going on and know that, you you know, that used to be your jam, right? Right. Right. And yeah, Susan kind of keeps me on a tight leash when we're in those areas. Cause there's, I mean, just like the regular work, there's a lot of dumb people (laughs) and it really drives me nuts. (laughs) And, you know, she has to, you're retired. You can't say, but I can. And I can't get in trouble. Right. right. <laughs> but, I, I have a chain of command of me. Right. But, uh, yeah, it just, you know, it, it was a career. So to end it abruptly like it did, you know, you're like, hmm. Yeah. Feeling nostalgia. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, cool. 
Awesome. I don't have to do that dumb shit anymore. <laughs> right. Right. So Fort Carson is headquarters for what command or what? what? There's a bunch under them, but it's uh, fourth ID. Okay. Uh, they have some special operations groups out of there. A uh, lot of stuff. Big, 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 yeah. big installation. Yeah. Um, nice place, though, compared to some of the other ones I've been. Right. Uh, they had a huge hailstorm, I guess, prior to us coming up. No, it was about a year ago, actually. And their windows are still blowing out in the house. Like, they haven't been wow. fixed yet. So I'm like, damn. That's it's pretty kinda nuts. Like, kind of like Irma. And yeah. All like, yeah. I know the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> two houses down from where we're sitting right now and just got a new roof over the last yeah. two days, and that's from Irma. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. Right. Just in time for this season. fucking struggling. <laughs> I completely get it. Well, um, but, yeah. I mean, like I said, just a, a big thank you to Ben for putting me in touch with Chris. And Chris, thank you. And your family for uh, accepting us into your home, and it's really appreciated. Now, uh, while you were out there, did you have the opportunity to be asked the question for breakfast, green or red chili? No, I stuck with my uh, basic biscuits and gravy. Okay. (laughs) I wanted to keep it simple. I knew I was going to be out fishing and take a yeah. risk, Mark. Just bring toilet paper with you. <laughs> yeah, you know. Because let me tell you that green chili, <laughs> bueno, my friend, bueno. Yeah, but no, I mean, excellent time. I recommend anybody going out there, whether it be for fishing or tourists. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that I didn't even realize. I just thought it was a so you did Pikes Peak. Yes. So I've I can honestly say I've I mean I'm familiar with Pikes Peak, but I've never been to Pikes Peak. So you guys drove up like the switchback roads Correct. all the way to the top. Yeah. So it's all paved now. Okay. I remember the you know the old videos of these cars going around in the dirt, kind uh-huh. of drifting off. It's all paved now. Uh, it's a long drive. And nice go, views. Goes up to what, 14,000? 14, 14. I forget what the official is. I think it's like 14, 442. So I'm way off, but it is over 14. And uh, it sucks even more when you get up there. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least you drove up. <laughs> like you, you know, no doubt. You know, there was, I forget where this football team was from, but they were a JUCO college or, you know, Division two school. And this football team hiked up. Oh, man. Well, you know, I, I saw Ben um, last day, two days or whatever. He went to fish like an alpine yeah. lake. And he was making a – somebody commented about the lack of snow. And he said, no, I just didn't take pictures. There's still a shit ton of yeah. snow. The lake that we wanted to go to was at 11,000 feet but we had to hike to 12,000 to get around and be able to get back down to it. And I'm just sitting there I don't going, think I'm that dedicated. Man, I, it, 
that Chinook would have had to have come to fucking get me. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, I've, I've hiked to 10,000 feet before 10,300 and literally five hours later when I had gone back to Denver and was in the hotel room mm-hmm. after my brilliant idea of going up to, to fish this Alpine Lake Five hours later, my pulse is still at like 120, yeah. resting, <laughs> resting. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, one, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, and I think how quickly altitude can kick your ass. They have what they call the 14ers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the most in the U.S., and it's like that's people do that for fun. I have a like, friend who just did her first one with her boyfriend, and I was like, mm, y'all, y'all enjoy that. Yeah, right. I guess it's a big deal out there when you're doing the 14ers. Like, you have to start early, early in the morning. You have to beat the storms. And you have to beat the storms because you you might be almost there and, like, a thunderstorm starts rolling in. It's like, you're not doing it today unless you want to fucking die. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, we did have some pretty gnarly storms that would roll in over the mountains. And, you know, they're not Florida thunderstorms. Any snow while you're out there? Nothing. Because uh, I swear, I swear, did somebody posted? Some, somebody, someone got snow. Somebody got snow. Yeah, it's one of our favorite girls. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, you know, I would say cur- it was like somewhere outside around Denver or something that that happened. I don't know what altitude they were at, but I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't snow somewhere. So for for the. All intents and purposes, your trip, you were south of Denver, down towards um, Colorado Springs, Mm -hmm. and south of there, south-southwest of there. So, all right, just trying to geographically put in my mind where you were. But, yeah, awesome, awesome trip, and we're going to go back. (laughs) Let's take a quick break, because I'm staring at an empty beer, and... When we come back, we're going to play a little bit of catch-up on um, some of the social media happenings that have been going on. Um, yeah. maybe There's plenty of it. You, maybe while you were gone and maybe uh, after you've been back, because <laughs> there's been some fun yeah. stuff. I know.
And just like that, we are back with full beers and Ben. I think during the break we were talking about the fact that you guys are in the midst of debuting the Lagoon 16. I mean, anybody that came to the dinghy derby certainly saw the prototype work in progress yeah but uh you guys had considered a different name for this gif um at some point and and even shared that name with uh some of the locals yeah yeah before i started working there it did have a it did have a different name it could have been and that was like kind of like the work in progress, like kind of thought. Yeah, like like forms on a strong back in progress. Yeah, name. And and what was that name? It was the Eldora. The Eldora, um, which uh, huh. you know, fancy that um, we actually just saw the debut of that skiff in the past what week 10 days yeah. and it certainly has gotten some press yeah um yeah. there's certainly people that are excited about the idea of this in the podcast slash radio slash <laughs> you can't see me world i'm doing air quotes this new skiff um, from everything I've been able to see, it would appear that the Eldora is uh, Hell's Bay's latest offering, and it simply is the original Whipray, mm-hmm. also known as the Waterman Hull, um, with a bit of a different deck layout it's like it's like when you go to the the hair the barber and like freshen up the cut right and and the weirdest thing to me is having been around central florida for long enough and and having been a um, spectator to the skiff wars that are always going on um kevin finn over at east cape um when he originally came out with the Gladesman, um, there was a lot of like poking fun and dismissive um, attitudes because that craft does not have a hatch on the front deck. There's no hatches in the rear. Yeah, it's like under the deck from the from you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and it was like, look at the fit and finish. This is <laughs> cheap. This is cheap. And to see 20 years after Hell's Bay was started, that they've gone from talking shit about other manufacturers and how they're inferior because of their lack of, you know, a finished deck with hatches to now this is like their best newest offering was kind of fucking weird. I mean, just like straight up weird. And Chris Morjohn, um, the designer of that original hull 
has opined quite vividly. He's he's that, pinned a couple posts. He's pinned a couple of posts. And, you know, I don't know that we're supposed to be part of this conversation. Okay. Um, because, you know, we're just, we're just some fucking idiots, right? Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, our opinions don't matter. Um, they matter very, very little. So little that uh, our Instagram account is now <laughs> blocked by Hell's Bay. But, yeah. So, so I guess because we're so insignificant and so retarded when it comes to our opinions on skiffs, we've just been excluded from the conversation. So, yeah. uh, I think that there's been a lot of different commentary, whether it's on old forum websites that are still active to, you know, social media posts that the, maybe the nexus behind the idea of bringing about the, the Eldora was, was in response to a a perceived void in the market. Um, the Hell's Bay is seeing like older skiffs. Like I, you know, I've got a 1998 Hell's Bay. Yeah, it, I've it, got a 98 in the shop right now. And and you know, the weirdest thing. Okay, you know, when when I was growing up, people used to always say, whether it's a car or a boat, it's a depreciating asset. It'll never be worth more than the day you bought it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hell's, Hell's Bay, like old school Hell's Bay skiffs, have appreciated in value. Yes, like right. They they've become somewhat. Very... I, I hate this. I hate to use the term collector's item, but iconic. But they're well. It it is uh, iconic. I, I would say it, it is iconic. Yeah. But in the like the but fact there's a finite number. It's it's the it's the. There's there's only so many and there's it's never going to be any more exclusivity. Right. Yeah, it's the yeah. supply and demand there, thing yep. going on. And it, it's a study in you know the free market. So there's been a couple of people that are like, you know, this is going to kill the used Hell's Bay market. And I look at it and I go, not no. not <laughs> if you're a wise consumer, <laughs> right? Right. Like, so. You know, you would, instead of buying, yes, a skiff that's being sold for more than it was originally tendered to the market for uh, in an old Waterman or, or an old Whip Ray that has an actual installed gas tank. It has yeah. hatches. It has storage that's easy to get in and out of with lids. Yeah. Instead, you're going to pay the same amount of money, or maybe even in most cases, more money right. for a skiff that's not as finished. I just, I'm curious what the thought process was behind releasing this as the, the new panacea. This will probably not make a ton of friends, but I think, I think the thought process is everything, like with Hell's Bay in general, has gotten, let's get bigger get better blah 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 so the actual skiffs like that have come out over the years are bigger they draft in more water they do this and they've like i think there was like an oh shoot moment where you're like we're building bay boats now like right. that's our latest innovation to the game and nobody wants them 
what everybody well, you know here's wants the, in this gift market is something he, he, that you know I, I tend to agree with you. Um, there was no innovation. Um, what they did is they built a bay boat in the Astero that did not innovate in any way. Right. What they did is they were, hey, how do we build a bay boat that looks like a Hell's Bay skiff? Right, right. And, and that's it. That's so, it. So in, in their terminology, the trade dress of their skiff is the large chine. Um, you know, and spray rail. Yeah. So they built a bay boat with those attributes. So it looks sure. like, you know. You can tie it into the group. Yeah. You're like, oh, that looks like a Hell's Bay. It's a monster, but it's a Hell's Bay. Yeah. And I personally, but, you know, I'm just little old me. Um, I haven't seen one in the wild. I have, I have yet to see one of those bay boats like cruise by me in the channel or pull up to JB's. Mm-hmm. The only pictures I've seen on social media are, you know, like folks that work TV at personality. Hell's, Hell's Bay or somebody yeah. that's like is affiliated. Yeah, that's that's marketing it. I think and I, I've tried to like not real hard, but think about it a little bit. Like I think I've only seen five of them. Okay. And so one I've seen Benny Blanco. C.A. Richardson, and the other three I've just kind of seen at the shop and around and, right. like, talked about. But I've never seen, like, oh, yeah, my buddy uh, Kenneth over in Titusville, he bought one. He loves it. Like, I haven't seen that. It's right. always right. been. Right. So, I've seen it on photo shoots. Yeah, yeah. many yeah. photo Tearing shoots, the but it's, River. it's always the same one. Yes. And I've seen, I've seen like different ones sitting at hell's bay but i've never seen them move and it, it you know could just be we, we built three and you know they're they're ready for whoever wants to buy them cool right um and and maybe they're building more of them and just producing that same color and parking it in the same spot but so so what what is the old saying if you don't learn from history you're doomed to repeat it correct brian broderick as i understand it um the way that hell's bay found itself found its way to bankruptcy was Brian Broderick had bought Hell's Bay from Flip and Hal. Yeah. Uh, Chris had left prior to that. And for whatever reason, Flip and Hal knew it was time to go ahead and cash in. So they did. And Brian Broderick had bought Hell's Bay and he was, he was still, you know, it was still a very popular boat it was game changing. They were selling a lot of skiffs, and for whatever reason, Brian Broderick thought, "Hey, we're known for skiffs, so let's fucking build an offshore." Offshore, <laughs> yeah. So he spent a tremendous amount of money developing the offshore center console hulls that they began selling, and. They never recovered from all the R and D costs, yeah. and I don't and, even think I've seen one of those. Oh, I actually have a friend that had one. Okay, um, and they never gained wild popularity. They're kind of, um, you know, like a, a unicorn. Okay, um, people that have had them liked them, but they just didn't gain wide a right. wide following. And sure. then, then the company went bankrupt and. 
Chris Peterson bought the company. Um, he was able to reassemble the Waterman 16 and the Waterman 18 back from Tom Gordon, brought that back under the Hell's Bay um, brand. He also brought from Tom's influence from Gordon Boat Works the Neptune, mm-hmm. um, which was a bigger boat. And I th- I think the idea behind that was like kind of to compete with like a lake and bay or something like that, more yeah. of a bigger tournament, long yep. distance boat. And I don't know if they ever sold a single one of those. Uh, did that kind of really quickly quick. morph into like the Marquesa or the Biscayne? Like not not the same boat, but those kind of replaced that concept. Well, then you had the Biscayne, then you had the Marquesa. Um, there was another one in there somewhere. Devil Ray. No, the Devil Ray was that was that was early on. That was a, just a tender okay. uh, model that they built in the early years. But what I'm getting at is, you know, there there was this. If you buy a company that's known for X, X, <laughs> why are you doing Y and Z? Yeah, and and I get it. The Hell's Bay brand in and of itself carries a certain allure mm-hmm. and, and, and a reputation but to it, let's put it this way so every once in a while I actually have people that will say Larry I value your opinion I know as strange as it sounds <laughs> but it happens every once in a while and if I were to have someone that I consider a friend for sure or even if somebody sent me a DM on Instagram because they happen to listen to a podcast and they say, hey, I'm actually thinking about getting a skiff. And I, I'm I'm thinking I might do the Eldora, but I also have an opportunity to buy a 2001, sure. 2000, um, 16 Waterman. What would you do? And I would simply say, well, you can probably spend the same or less money mm-hmm. and get that legacy hull mm-hmm. that has an actual gas tank, that has a deck with a hatch where you have storage that's going to be dry. You have the storage in the rear with deck lids and... yeah you can actually have everything you're looking for or and and yeah. if you were to buy that particular conveyance there's a good chance you're not going to lose any more value in yeah. what you put into it and it's possible it's going to appreciate or you can go buy the same hull the exact same identical hull with absolutely no frills and be guaranteed, most likely, if I were a betting man, that you're going to have to sell it for less than you owe to the bank on it. Yeah. So I would still be telling people to buy an older skiff. Now, I say that, and I'll, I'll put it right out there. My skiff's not for sale. It's never right. for sale. So this isn't like a self-serving. This is just saying, apples to apples, why would you buy a brand new skiff that has absolutely no features the mm-hmm. fe- the the hype behind it is 
it's featureless. Yeah. Well, and it's built with like Inegra. Yeah. But, cool. But, <laughs> yeah. Cool. It, and and what I got from the marketing piece about it was, it's really cool because it's more UV resistant, which means the hull will last longer. I got a twenty year old fucking hull. Yeah, that ha- a twenty one doesn't year old. look sun damaged at all. Yeah, so like I'm not sure that I'm following that logic. It's it's a lot of. I mean, you could kind of call it smoke and mirrors. You know, kind of being in the boat industry, still relatively new to it, but like listening to mass amounts of marketing hype and this, that, and why you choose to pitch things. Certain, you know, Anegra, like that process, if you do it right, is lighter, stronger. Um, the UV resistance, I haven't really scoped that out enough to be able to speak on it, but like once that market's been. Like everyone knows, a Negra is lighter, stronger. You got to kind of come up with another way to market that, so you're not like the last guy to the ball game. Um, a Negra certainly wasn't pioneered by Hell's Bay. It's starting to be adopted by them, right? But using those composites and epoxies is not. They were. They're definitely like middle of the road to the game or back half. So, when it comes to the performance i think they're quoting three and a half inch draft yeah um maybe i um you know and i did see comments even though the taylor trash fly fishing instagram account (laughs) has been blocked by hell's bay we're still able to see hell's bay um because surprise we have more than one account. Um, <laughs> there's questions being asked about, you know, like, well, is that a draft with people, people in the in skiff? It. Or is that... And it's like, no, it's just the motor and the six-gallon tank. Which... Which... That number's... The, the number... So the difference between... A legacy, and I'll use the word legacy, and I'll define it. Legacy is like a 98 through like a 2001, 2002 skiff built at Hell's Bay where it was hand laid up. It, 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 you know, it was a Chris Morjohn lamination schedule. They're lighter. There's no inner liner. Yeah. And then a, and then a, a cap. It's a lighter vessel. It's just the way they were built. And then as the company developed, and now especially since 2005, 2006, the Peterson era, it became more of a production facility. Right. Where it was a hull, a liner, a cap. Mona, when she was still working there, if I would stop by, to pick up a T-shirt or a hat because I'm still proud to be a Hell's Bay owner. Yeah, um, she would say, "Larry, are you getting a new skiff?" And I'm like, "Mona, why would I? No, yeah, absolutely not. They don't build the skiffs the way they used to. The skiff that I have is completely different from what I could buy today. Right. Um, the one thing I noticed on all of the posts that were made, 
And see, I guess I'm privy to knowing when all those photos were taken because mm-hmm. I was here. Right. Um, and I saw the photo shoot start over by the channel marker <laughs> five. And then it went into shallow, shallow. And I saw the, the drone that was up and, and, you know, so I know what the conditions were the day that it was being done. And I know about where they were, but I look at the draft pictures. Mm-hmm. The motor is down. And it's like, is the motor actually, is the skeg repping the skeg it up? Propping it up? Like, because um, I look at my skiff and I know where, where my skiff floats yeah. without anybody in it. And it's a similar, mm-hmm. it's a very, like probably within an inch to a yeah. half inch. So four and a half inches versus three and a half inches. But I also know what my skiff real world floats with my fat ass on the back. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I have Mark and I on the skiff, yeah, it's going to balance out. Yeah, we're going right. to, we're going to, you know. A little bit lower. A little bit yep. lower. But it still, it still goes through spit. But I'm looking at it and going, to the average person, don't you get it that these photos are a little bit contrived? And, like, couldn't they have tried a little bit better well, to do a more real world? Not the only. What's going on? Like, not the only guilty party in that. They, um, there's a lot of people that do that. Uh, Boston Whaler. I don't know if they actually got in trouble for it or got called out on it years ago. They had an advertisement loaded with way too many people about how this boat is unsinkable. And turns <laughs> out they had they were on a sandbar like this deep, bottom completely sitting on the bar, just loading more people up because the boat couldn't go down any further. And oh. that was and, but that shot was taken <laughs> with the camera right at water level. You could never see that sandbar. It just right. gave the illusion that holy cow, this boat's amazing. Um, and a buddy who worked at Whaler told me that tidbit of information. So I'm not just pulling that out of the air. <laughs> so it's kind of like a an age-old marketing trick of what can we... Smoke and mirrors. Yeah, what yeah. can we show you that it, quote-unquote, does do. Right. But how do we make it do that when we want it to? Well, of course. And... You prop it up. When <laughs> I would say, based on that information, the Lagoon 16 floats in three inches of water with nobody on it, nobody, nothing. But realistically, and I don't know yet because fuel tanks coming next week. Um, I haven't had someone standing on the front and I don't have a polling platform on it yet. So I don't know what the true to life number is yet, Right. but I'm willing to bet it's pretty close to your whip ray. Sure. It's going to, it's going to be shallow. Yeah. And, but I'm not going to spit out wild numbers here in the, the world to read and try to figure out how, what is a draft. And when I talk about my numbers, I, I don't want to focus so much on those sure. technical numbers. Cause quite honestly, everybody knows that the numbers are bullshit. Yeah. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. It's just a bullshit number that doesn't apply because if you're can, never going to run your boat without people. Right. And, and, and there's different setups of different sized people and it, you know, buyer sure. beware, you know, yeah. go out and run the skiff. But at the end of the day, it was odd to me that there was such a buildup. I mean, I'm talking all the way back to like the beginning of the year. Um, there was like rumors that 2019 big news coming, big yeah. news coming. 
and you took a 20-year-old hull, stripped it the fuck out, reduced the deck in the front and the back, <sighs> and and you're calling it a new boat? Like, Yeah, and it's... I don't think Eldora is the right name. I think Hail Mary. <laughs> you know, it... I really do. It, it reminds me of a glorified salt marsh. I love my salt marsh. Right. I have one hatch, portable tanks. Uh-huh. No deck hatch. Right. Yeah. I'm still $22,000 cheaper I have Kevlar versus Anegra. Yeah, but wait. Okay. But that's what, I mean, it has but the lines. I think lines. at that point you're splitting hairs. Oh. And materials and composites. You're right. Yeah, you, you hair splitter. Yeah. So here's, here's the other thing that cracked me up. So admittedly, there's a certain allure about Hell's Bay absolutely. from the very beginning. Sure, absolutely. Right? Yep. And, and I'll never say that that's not the case it, since 2005 could be different. But the fact that the slow drip of information, this faux <laughs> buildup yeah. for the new boat that turned out not to be a new boat, there was a photo of... I want to say it was just on a story. Twenty nine nine ninety nine. Yeah, and I was like, "Are you shitting me? Are we yeah. selling used fucking cars now?" <laughs> yeah, like, you perfectly appointed this skiff so that it came out at twenty nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. Yep. Like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, clap on. Clap off. Like, <laughs> and, but wait, there's more. Right. For $60,000, you can get two. A hatch. And that's what I told Carl. So we're not charging enough for our hatches, man. <laughs> like, we're like, it, we're, I said, the next guy that wants one put in his skip, like, yeah, that's, that's 15 grand. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Mama's got to eat. Right. Like, and it's, it's funny because it's just funny. I'll, I'll stop a little bit there, but I can think of several boat companies that within those size specs and margins that are what? actually less expensive and come with hatches. I, I, my, which is cool. my immediate, my immediate honest engine, like fucking holy shit moment was when it, when it was revealed, I thought, holy shit, this is the same guy that years ago used to give Kevin Finn so much shit that the glide did not have a hatch on the deck. Like, you know, Oh, what a lowbrow fucking skiff. And here we are praising it uh, years later, a decade later, you're doing everything that used to criticize your competition for. And here's, here's, you know, here's the honest assessment that I have. Kevin has, done a fucking stellar job of creating a culture at East Cape where he has very happy customers because if they want something, he figures out a way to do it for them. Right. Versus if you call Hell's Bay tomorrow and said, 
I would like a Waterman with a center console. They would say, no, 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 you want a professional. Right. No, no, no. I want a Waterman with a center console. No, no, no. The Waterman has a side console. You want a professional that has a center console. That's not a custom boat builder. Right. No, that's, that's a, a drag and drop parts deal. Yeah. And and it's just it's just weird and it's kind of sad in a way to have watched it develop because into what it's become. I was gonna say because pre prop probably pre O five, if you wanted a Waterman with a center console, they'd have been like, Yeah, we can do that. Absolutely. Well yeah, we can make you one. We'll yep. figure it out. Could it be just a, a wild hair since I'm into splitting hairs. Sure. Could he just be trying to break even prior to selling? Well, I've heard if you had a check for I, the number I've heard is $12 million. That's the number I've heard. Oh, that's a lot of Eldoras. It's a lot of Eldoras. Eldora. <laughs> well, so, and that's kind of my thought process on this. And, and probably... Maybe shouldn't say out loud, but your three El- your three Esteros sitting outside. Like, is that to give an appearance while you're trying to sell it? That no, there's Eldoras being built. There are Esteros being built. People want these. Blah blah blah. Now you've got this like entry level thirty thousand dollars skiff. Does that look really good? When you're like, no, 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 we have boats out for the night. We've got ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty boats on order right now. Because someone's like, "Oh shoot, this boat's only thirty grand. I can afford one now. Let's pull the trigger. Let's do it." Yep. And well, you, you actually brought up a good point, which never occurred to me because you know I paid cash for my boat. That, that's just the way I do business. You said, "Well, there's going to be people out there that are going to go the Eldora because they can get bank financing because it's a new boat, right?" Versus trying to get financing on a hull that's 12 years old or 15 years old, um, apparently. And, and the, what even my wheelhouse, I didn't even know that like, you can't go out and get money to buy a boat. That's X number of years. Yeah. Old. Once it's like past seven, it's like really, you yeah, can't get a boat loan for it. You can take a personal loan. Um, I had a, a buddy of mine just did that purchasing his gift. Um, he wound up going that route because he wasn't sure what he was going to get yet. He was kind of, this is what I can spend, so I'm going to secure this. But until you have a, a like a, it's real hard to go to any anybody other than there's a couple manufacturers in like Central Florida for sure. You can go get a, you can get a new boat for fifteen, but you know this certain budgets it's very hard to get that loan and a boat loan. You have to like, no, this is what I want. Here's what I'm getting. Let's do the kind of the paperwork at the same time type deal. From what I understand, I haven't gotten a boat loan personally myself. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of uh, a little bit of what happened while you were gone, yeah. Mark, and uh, since you've been back. But, uh, you know, the the social media reveal of that. I, I got to say, was probably one of the most cataclysmic failures yeah. I've seen in a long time. It was like <laughs> like a kind of cool build up to, oh, well, we've already seen this. Right. We, we know what this is. And and I will say, and I don't have a marketing background, but I, I 
I kind of know what like I get excited about. I think it would have been very cool to say, look, we've built these other boats. Sometimes old school's just better. And say, we're kicking it back. You can get this. Granted, it doesn't fit into your we innovate everything first motto. But say, we're bringing back the Whipray Hall. And we've changed the top. We've well, you know, put they, it flat they, deck. They did that. They did that about four years, five years ago. Okay. They did the Whipray Classic. Yep. I do remember that. And, and I honestly want to th- say that probably one of the last times that I was at the factory, other than when I picked up, you know, Rick's new skiff, was about the time that the Whipray Classic came out. And, Mona was like, oh, are you going to get a new skiff? And I was like, mm, <laughs> that Whipray Classic ain't my Whipray. Yeah. And it's because they have a liner and, you know. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. They went to the old style hall with the sure. you know, spray rails all the way to the back, not fared in. So, you know, that was the difference that, uh, to me, was a deal killer. And... I don't know. Innovation. Um, I think what they were innovating was how they could manufacture it more easily. Yeah. It's it's a lot faster to not cut in hatches and do these things and Well yeah. It, yeah, I think I think you're spot on there. Um and and I will follow up with anybody who's on the fence with do I get a new boat, do I get a used one? If you can get like a, a classic legacy hull whip ray, I would, as someone who's in like skiff repair and restoration, I would 100% encourage that. You don't have to bring it to me to restore it, but if you can find one, restore it the way the halls are built. I was explaining to you earlier outside, like we had, we've got 38 in the shop now, and one rolled through that's mid 2000s. And you can actually see like the pressure from the bulkhead pushing. Like there's a, a ridge that goes down the side of the hall where you can see material like pushing because they're trying to make it like thinner, lighter. But it the the boat hall's not smooth like yours. It doesn't flow. There's like a, a, a little, little bump bump on both sides, and it follows that seam of the bulkhead. Wow, that's and crazy. I'm, I'm just like, did did they make the, this bulkhead too big in glass and say whatever? Just pushed it in. Yeah. And oh it, look! It fits snug. Yeah, real <laughs> snug. We don't even have to glass it. I'm sure they did, but like you consistently see, I think better construction. They feel better to me in these older halls. Right. Good point. That and they're just damn pretty to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, kind of uh, beating that dead horse till it's dead. So let's move on. Um, Ben, you mm-hmm. have a new whip, not for the water, but for, uh, <laughs> stabbing it land, and steering, keeping it between the ditches. Whip. I have a 2008 Saturn Astra. I thought it was going to be a <laughs> Mazda speed three, um, turned into a Saturn Astra via showing up at the speed three and it was garbage. Um, I like it a lot. 35 miles per gallon 
It's the XR trim package, which is the top of the line Ooh. leather seats. CD player? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I probably, yes, it does have a CD player. If I used it, no, no Bluetooth that I can. Well, it's weird. There are controls in the steering wheel that I'm pretty sure everything's kind of like fancy looking. So, so I, what I, all what we're really getting at is license plates. What I would no, what I would call Ben's new car is like Ben's date car. Oh, no doubt. Oh, yeah. So, this is way better than my last one. Yeah. So, like, if if you're thinking of, you know, a night out on the town with the brawny man. Boom. This is what you're going to get picked up in. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ben, what, what was the question that a listener sent you? Oh, man. I'm... <laughs> This is not exact wording, <laughs> but we, we have discussed on the show, I think two or three back, that there was going to be a new segment um, about Ben's relationship advice, <laughs> and you could submit questions. I, I thought it was pretty clear, submit questions to Taylor Trash account. One was submitted to me, <laughs> and I believe the, paraphrasing more or less, the question was, after you do it, if you have an itch, does that mean she's the one? <laughs> and my first thought was eye roll. My second thought was, I have an answer for this. My answer to that question is, she might be the one that gave you the itch, or it could just be fiberglass. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, pretty itchy substance. Um, everything it touches itches. So if you were working in a boatyard or classic cars making parts i wouldn't rule it out yet um that's all i really have to share on that topic Um, thank you for your question (laughs) and your submission all right so the real serious um matter at hand at this point is ben's new whip is going to need to be registered with the state of florida need a plate and uh in the past we have talked about different Mm -hmm. license plates um I myself have bait hater, um, mm-hmm. which uh, Ben also has it out in Colorado. Yeah, yep. and Ted just got double haul, double haul, uh, which is pretty cool. So when I was on my road trip up to Pennsylvania, um, I was riding shotgun, and I spent quite a quite a long time on the phone um, checking the availability status yes. <laughs> of Florida tags. And I'm going to run through Ben okay. some of uh, what I have found is available in okay. Florida. I like that. That <laughs> helps right. me. So strip set, uh, simply S T R P S E T strip set. Okay. Available tight loop. <laughs> T-Y-T-L-O-O-P, not into bait, N-O-T, into B-8. I like that. Yeah. The venerable and always popular fly pole. (laughs) So far, my favorite. Okay. (laughs) Backcast, B-A-K-C-A-S-T. Okay. Available. This one is a, a favorite of mine because a, a friend of mine, um, when he was on the Drake message board, his um, handle on there was Long Slow Strip. 
So I did <laughs> I did slow strip S L O S T R P okay. available. Fly only available. That actually surprises me that's available. Yeah. I know, me too. Into casting. <laughs> Into C A S T N. Yeah, I like that one. Um, yeah. If you're um, a tarpon guy, you might consider uh, into backing. Nice. Ooh. Um, available is also real hard. R E C L H R D. Part the hard part about fly fishing slash fishing custom tags is there's a little bit of innuendo that goes into it. Right. And the state has a hard time deciphering what you're trying to get at. They'll actually ask you, they'll actually ask you, what does this mean? Yes. Cause I did, um, my trailer tag for, for old number 33. I did OGHB. Yeah. And she was like, what is OGHB? And I said, well, it's a hell's bay. Um, and it's, it's, the original year, so it's original gangster. It's OG, and she's like, "That's that." No, don't say that again. That's <laughs> like, no. that's uh, gang activity. And I was like, "No, no, no." She's like, "Don't say it again." I'm approving it, but just don't say that out loud again. <laughs> yeah, I'm like okay, okay. So, um, also available simply no bait n o b a i t with a space between uh, fly line. Well, and I think all one word. Okay, it's available. Couldn't believe that. Now this one, I th- this this is like uh, I did screenshots because I could do okay. five at a time, right? Yeah, and I would continue doing five different ones until I got all available. five available, yeah. and then I would screenshot it. Nice. So you can kind of tell I've probably I'm probably like 75, 80 miles down the road <laughs> at this point because I thought Colorado Kook would be funny. C O K O O K K O O K. So Colorado kook. Um, Then I, um, (laughs) (laughs) you you see like the down to fish, DTF and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought down to skiff, D2 skiff. I like that. Um, I think this is, yeah, this is the last five. Uh, And actually it was four because one one of the middle is not available. So. Bait sucks. B eight. I like that. Oh wow. Yeah. Fly line is available. Taylor, like here in the Taylor part, yeah. is available. And then if you happen to be like the self described um social media manager, yeah. You could just do one that says four. D gram. Oh. <laughs> Florida gram. That's funny. Then you got to get a little sticker with your username. With your tag on yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, that that's, lots of options. I think. I think fly pole is pretty fucking I right. I think yeah. fly, fly pole is my favorite. It's kind of stuck out instantly from the beginning and all this. So I think that's going on the hatchback. And then we're going to work out the trailer tag one. Um, I think I know where that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to wait till I officially get it to release that. You can just kind of look forward to that photo. Right. Because it's like, I believe, six to eight weeks till they get it. From what I understand, when I when I looked into doing the car, 
I had to put a tag on my car mm-hmm. and then order the custom in six to eight weeks. And I'm assuming the trailer is uh, going to be the same situation. <laughs> Interesting. All right. They don't work fast in prison, bit. <laughs> well, and it's weird. You'd think they would because they got nothing else to do. Time to kill. Build my custom tag. I'm sure someone in there used to fly fish or see it and just be like, I need to put some effort in this. I, I get where this guy's going, but we'll see. So I like it. Um, uh, other social media news. Um, I guess the tarpon are starting to show up here they're in Central to, Florida. Yes, they're, from they're Cocoa Beach to New Smyrna. Yeah, uh, I, I saw um, John Turcott uh, made a post, a uh, very lively about sixty pounder. Uh, oh wow! And he he said, uh, tarpon are moving from the sea mm-hmm. to inshore, something like that. And um, then, of course, yesterday, um, there was a couple of uh, sports that um, I, I really don't think it was uh, on the fly pole. No. I think it, I was, think it probably, was surf. I think it was like gear yeah. uh, in the inlet. They um, they caught some really big tarpon. Like, I would have been completely stoked if um, that were me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Big yeah. old fish, right? Unfortunately, they weren't um, up to speed on proper handling technique and certainly not up to speed with what current regulations are. I say the law right. according to the rules. Yeah. And uh, there, were, there was some poor fish handling yeah. going on. And those two images were shared um yeah, but i mean it, it by took, a local by a local shop yeah and it it actually took a guy from north carolina to who, point out the fact who oh by the way doesn't have the same handling regulations we do they right. can take them out of the water there right, and right. Do things mm-hmm. but this guy knows and he, he said hey man this is not cool this is like not the way it's yeah. to be done for good reason and the shop doubled down. They did. And I believe you pointed out splitting hairs. Splitting hair not and not calling an individual business just, just simply saying, stating the fact Florida, you know, statute right says thou shalt not, not remove <laughs> a tarpon over 40 right. inches from the water for right. the purposes of photography. Yeah. Right. And, oh, they're in the water. Yeah, the guys are in the water. Right. Yeah, and fish. maybe the tip of the tail. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's not what the rule's talking about. Well, beyond beyond the fact that the local outfitter in New Smyrna Beach um, thought that it was totally appropriate um, despite it being unlawful um i was shocked there were seven not several there were a couple big companies big mm-hmm. companies one of them um a fly line manufacturer correct that was like oh my gosh this is so awesome and i'm like really yeah like are you kidding you're me? condoning and then the other company was like you know like one in a million companies that does like, uh, you know, like sun shirts. Yeah. yeah. And 
they actually doubled down and like responded to a story that we posted and like, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. And I was like, really? <laughs> like doubling down, like this is cool, even though you now know this is like unlawful. Right. And a violation of Florida fishing regulations. But at some point, um, the outfitter realized that um, it was a losing battle to try to defend the indefensible, and they removed, removed the, post. the post. They removed the Classic post. winning position. So Royal Wolf Products, as well as Hook and Tackle, were saved by the fact that uh, the outfitter that happens to be located in New Smyrna Beach um, saw it to be wise to remove right. the testament to the illegality of <laughs> what was being done. And I'm sure... We got criticism. We, yes. we got criticism um, from from some folks that, that we think are, are, are good folks yep. that uh, have walked the walk when it comes to conservation. Um, they, they were very supportive of the dinghy derby. Um, and unfortunately I wasn't able to follow the logic, um, behind the criticism of, you know, don't criticize or don't point out the shortcomings or the failings of someone because they happen to be a local local. I and you know don't that's care like, if it was my father. I'd still yeah. That's like saying, <laughs> you know, hey, if the crime happens in your own neighborhood, it's just good. look the other way. It's okay. <laughs> and and let me let me let me. I'm going to walk that back. Okay. I don't even like saying the crime. It's it would be a civil penalty, but it's like, you know, we're all duty bound i feel to be part of the solution right and if some you know all that had to be done was when someone from north carolina points out <laughs> hey those guys aren't doing it right like that's not cool they could have easily said you know what we didn't realize it we were just stoked just like they're stoked right. and we're still stoked that they caught those great fish. Yeah. But hey, yes, everyone, please don't do don't. this with the fish. And it would have been all good. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what happened. No. So, you know, learn from these kind of things and say, hey, um, let's let's just strive to be better. And and it's okay to point out and say, hey, I think that's rad that you caught those two giant Absolutely. tarpon. Yeah. That's great. But you know what? Next time, don't don't treat them that way. Right. Like a tarpon of that size could be how old? 60, S- 70 years yeah. old. Yeah. They're they're in the prime reproductive prime. portion of their life. So that's all that that's yeah. the reason I believe that you stepped up and said that was it. it wasn't I mean, it wasn't even criticism or no, it negativity. Like, it was, I understand people get caught up in the excitement and sure. emotion. And, uh-huh. But, hey, just remember, next time, you know, Johnny Law may be on the other side, just pair of binos. Right. That's all it takes. Yeah. 
just beware. Well, and and now I believe they're actually allowed to like if they see that on social media, that counts as like evidence. Oh, that they for can, sure. Like pull me like no 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 you did, did this. Did you guys happen to see? I want to say it's on the West Coast, and I I. I completely think somebody should be strung up for this one. Maybe around Captiva, um, a freaking dolphin washed up on the fucking shore. Some buddy fucking shot it in the head like with a spear gun. What? And killed a fucking porpoise. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, Nothing. And 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 the and the crazy thing is the article was like because of the trajectory of the steel shaft through this fucking mammal's head, they said that the it was clear that the that the dolphin was like at the side of the boat, like kind of begging for like bait or something. Yeah. And somebody put a steel shaft through its fucking head. Like who the fuck? Like, that's insanity. It's the same person that, like, shoots lizards with BB guns. Just on a... Iguanas? Iguanas? That's no, legal that's legal. Because I'll be honest with you. About. When and I I'm heard d- that, okay. I was like, mm, let's go. Uh, let's okay. go down south there, of the pelican. There's gun. a part of me that... Uh, same thought. And that's not where I'm getting at. It's invasive, I'm going to retract this whole yeah. statement, and we're going to pick a different <laughs> animal. Uh, the people that drown cats and guinea pigs and stuff... It's the same guy, but on a grander scale. Disturbed individuals. So, yeah, so exactly. When, so when I was leaving the boat ramp today to go fishing, there were <laughs> two or three dolphins out at the like just off the intercoastal, getting some mullet, schooled up, yep. eating mullet, and I like idled out really super slow. And one of them came up like right beside the boat and like you know did the whole you know like yeah. eye to yeah. eye kind of thing. And I didn't have my phone ready, and I didn't take a picture, but I wish I had. I swear to God, that fucker had like a brand, like a number on the huh. on the side, like a, like he was, was gonna, a, yeah. like he was an ex navy, yep. like uh, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh man, and I, I just couldn't like for the life of me like make it out exactly and he went under and i didn't see him come back up and i almost stopped and like wanted to see right because um i read an article like four or five years ago around satellite coco that area um there was an older porpoise dolphin bottlenose dolphin that um had been a former navy something and and it was he was old number 13 and he hung out like after he was released he you know retired yeah Yeah. he was around and then like all of a sudden he was no longer to be found like everybody's like oh man whatever happened to old number 13 and then like he showed up like somewhere like around like savannah like somebody spotted him (laughs) right and the last time he was seen he was all the way up around Virginia Beach. That's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. I I'm pretty confident that the the dolphin that I saw today was like former military. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's wild. That's way cool. <laughs> isn't, it is. isn't it crazy? Yeah. You gotta have a feel good story after 
Hearing about some scumbag <laughs> shooting a dolphin in the head. Yeah, shooting. Yeah, for sure. So Ben, you got anything else on your notes? Um, iCast was this week. Oh my gosh, was it ever? <gasps> um, Dude, I'm confused. I'm completely confused. So <laughs> hit me. The fact that the Fly Tackle Dealer Show uh-huh. um, has moved to Denver. Denver in October. Um, iCast wasn't even on my radar, right? No. So, and then all of a sudden I start seeing all these people going to iCast and I'm like, why the fuck are they going to the jig head plastic bait convention? Right. And then I start seeing awards. Yeah. (laughs) St. Croix. One like best, best new fly rod or something. Saltwater rod. Yep. Um, a couple of players in the game have been there for one like best saltwater reel. I had no idea that clutch was even still still in around. <laughs> um, I would say no. Their their parent company is though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's interesting. And so so, what do you make of it? So like. Honestly, I don't know that I've been in a fly shop in years that carries St. Croix fly rods. I've never been in one. I'm sure they're out there. I just haven't been into one. I mean, I've seen seen conventional gear. Bass Pro Shops. Bass Pro Pro Shop has um, St. Croix. um, Fly rods. No, they, they... well, they might not now, but they oh, used okay. to. Okay, I know ours doesn't, but they have you know it. the bass uh-huh. conventional yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so how in the heck does that happen? So, and 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 more importantly, will it impact your buying decision? Uh, valid questions. So, these companies winning awards. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna make a blanket statement. So, bear with me, everybody. The industry I worked in previously, we did a lot of trade shows, um, all air traffic, aviation type stuff and simulation stuff. And we would get emails all the time from the people who worked these trade shows and, and like we're in charge of these awards and these showings. They would email and say, hey. The for- new product showcase. Yes, that's, that's what we're like, a new product showcase. Hey, if you have a new product you want to showcase, you can pay us X number of dollars and we will write up a category and a like little write-up for you and basically walk this through. It's like a guaranteed you're going to win it. So, so maybe somebody went, already has best fly rod of the year. Now it's best, like most innovative fly rod. And they'll add this category, and, and you pay your dues, and they'll write it up and present you this glass plaque or whatever and right. and make it a big to do and you can you can claim it and and I think it and like I think everybody in the industry knows like okay you paid to play but Joe consumer just sees well, wow new like yeah oh, especially best in the award. especially like three months later when a new magazine comes out and just right. like you know here's your ad and then like at the footer it says Winner of the 2000. 2019 iCast best new salt right 
fly rod. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I got to fucking try this out. And it, right. It, I, I would say it'll peak interest as far as does it make you go buy that rod? It's interesting. Having thrown St. Croix fly rods, um, would it make me buy one? No. I've already kind of written them off as I don't like the way they throw. Okay. Um, so to me, I don't give a rip. Now, I understand you can change your blanks. You can put different things to them. You can make, you can, you can make a new rod. Cool. It might, it'll be nothing like your old one if you want it to be. True. But you kind of follow, like, like with anything, you know, I don't like Chevys because I've always been a Ford guy, blah, blah, blah. You kind of track with that and kind of have a little bit of a preconceived, at least in my case, of I don't like St. I like St. Croix spinning rods. I don't like their fly rods. Um, Saturn is a division of Chevy. Well, exactly. It's a, it's a <laughs> GM ve- vehicle. Um, I am a brand ambassador for Saturn. I'm one of the only <laughs> brand ambassadors for a company that no longer exists. Um, I take great pride in that. And I am looking to rebadge that vehicle and enter it as a new product showcase as the ultimate fly fishing vehicle. So as a brand ambassador. Yes. Would you consider yourself to be pro staff? No, because I had to pay for it. Okay. Um, Did you get a discount? I did. Okay. Um, so, of about a thousand dollars. You may not have seen. No, I, I think I did a story with it. Um, okay. So I hope that you did. Um, the Kirk Dieter. Um, he's the editor of mm. the um, Angling Trade Angling Trade Magazine, which is the trade publication for AFTA, yeah. uh, which does IFTD. He um, wrote a pretty poignant... Pretty great. Pretty great article. And and what's crazy is that's not his full article. That's just the teaser. And I, I'm a, excited for the full article. Pro staff. And what, what entails why should you uh, get a discount rod and really what does that achieve? Because he, he pointed out, which having had a a background being a rep for a fly rod company, Mm -hmm. um, pro staff simply meant that you got to buy the rod at the same price that the fly shop got to buy the rod. Um, so yeah, you're getting a wholesale deal, but you're not getting a great, great deal. You're just, you know, um, fly rod company still making the their fly, same margin. They're making their same margin. And, and he advanced the idea of, you know, Hey, if you're really wanting people like really make it fucking beneficial, but yeah. tighten it up. Right. And I have to tell you, um, especially on Instagram, I don't do Snapchat, so I don't even know if it applies. Like, I'm an old dude. I don't do that. I don't use it enough to know if it applies. But, you know, I've noticed on Instagram specifically, there's plenty of people that in their profile uh, will say, pro staff for X, Y, Z, PDQ. And and that was like kind of the the hallmark for a while, but now I've seen professional brand ambassador. Right. And it's like, 
there's there's different levels of fucking like <laughs> snobbery right. when it comes to hey I'm like I'm a professional brand ambassador and here's here's the thing that I don't know whether the marketing geniuses behind big brands mm-hmm. understand there's certain individuals whether like Kirk Dieter says, it's just so fucking easy to get um, pro staff and get a pro form and order yeah. a fucking rod at wholesale and call that quote unquote pro staff. They don't understand that if you're giving that to certain people and I see it, I'm like, fuck off. I'll never, yeah, it- I'll never <laughs> buy your product because if that's who you say, is representative of your product. Right. I would rather fucking pay full price for your competitor, right, than to pay one hundred price for you. And it's it's funny because I don't know if it's either a doesn't matter it, the like the the risk of that happening just outgoes by the people who are like, oh my gosh, this person has it, I gotta get it. Or if the people in marketing aren't paying enough attention to what's actually going on and how things are being promoted and how these people are perceived. Well, I I think that he touches on what the fact is. They don't care. Right. Because if they simply said to all of us sitting at the table tonight, pro staff, pro staff, pro staff. Yeah. They just increase their sales. By whatever normal margin. By whatever normal margin. (laughs) So it's like, uh, you know. Cool, like yeah. they, and they don't realize that the downstream cost of that is a lot of fucking people think I'm an asshole, so they're never going to buy their fucking brand because Larry's on pro staff, right? There's people that are going to be like, oh my gosh, True. Ben's yeah. awesome. If Ben's on pro staff, I'm buying it. Mark, yeah. Mark's awesome. I'm buying it. But f- me, if I put it on my profile, they're like, fuck, we just lost a bunch of sales, <laughs> but they don't realize it. But right. at the end of the day, they don't care because they're just interested in the sale. Right. Yeah. Right? And let's be honest. Around these microphones, we're pretty fucking... Pretty honest. Pretty yeah. honest pretty and, and, and pretty brutal. brutal. Right. And to to their credit, Traeger mm-hmm. and Yeti have weathered our storm of discontent sure. and, and skepticism. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Traeger. Oh my God. <laughs> I was the first one that brought it up and I was like, what is Traeger? Right. The new Yeti? Like, right. You know right. And, and I mean, talk about, talk about serving up a slice of fucking humble pie. Yeah. Like it's game changing, dude. <laughs> I 100% without any reservations will tell you that that is by far the best grill I've owned. Oh, absolutely. And I've owned a lot. Yeah. And, and from the day that I opened the freaking box, (laughs) I was like, are you like, this is fucking crazy. And it, and, and when it comes to Yeti, I've never been anti Yeti. I've always said Yeti's done a good job creating the hey bro hey yeah mentality 
and I've just never been really ready to invest yes. my money at the <laughs> level that you have to 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 buy into yeah. the hey bro hey. But then to know that we've been pretty rough um, yeah. when it comes to to their marketing, yeah. the fact that they were able to support what we did for Marine Discovery Center Absolutely. and the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love their products. Their products are great. Their products are great. I just don't have the money to invest. Right. I mean, like, they've got a <laughs> right. new, like, foldable lunch thing. Yeah, I saw just that. came out. It collapses down. Kind of yeah. cool. And I thought, what is this, like, 50 bucks? $80. Right. I was like, no. <laughs> well, you right. know, so, so my friend Tim Creasy, he he works for Yeti. He's yeah. a sales guy for Yeti, and I tease Tim all the time. Um, the Hondo, yeah, chairs, I, yeah. I would I would fucking love to have a couple of those. Like they, there, there's no doubt about it. You look at it, you're like, that's like that the fucking last. That's right. Like that's the last camp chair I would ever have to buy. Yeah, right. But because the cloth won't rot out on. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but on the flip side of that is, eh, I don't think mm-hmm. I've. I, I just can't reach into my pocket for that. No, because <laughs> I, I know I can buy the same, uh, not the same, but a camp chair from Publix for the next ten summers, right? <laughs> and be and still be ahead of the game. But do I want one? Absolutely, I want one. And so I always tease Tim, and I'm like, Hey, man, when are you going to hook me up with a Hondo? And he was like, oh, bro, I'm a salesman. I'm not in marketing. I can't do that. And I'm like, come on, man. You, you, yeah. you got to be able to figure this out. And uh, he's like, I wish I could, man. I'm just a sales guy. And I always tease him. And I say, well, I'm going to keep my eye out. When Flip Pallet has a fucking yard sale, yeah. I'll get you one, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. You know? I was like, I know I know. Flip's got, like, fucking 10 of them in his garage. Oh, yeah. yeah. He pulls them out in the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come on, Flip. Hey, Flip, can you go check on such and such? I'll load a couple in my truck when he's not looking. <laughs> it's And it's it's funny because I have, I have several Yeti products. I've got the a 45-quart cooler. Um, traded some stuff around at the fly shop to get it just through a fun like uh-huh. situation. But uh, and I've also got a couple of their like Rambler bottles. Right. I like them because I've got the I've got a Colster. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what I've found with it? I drink beer too fast. Right. So you don't need it to stay exactly. I, I and and it's not that it's not a good product. I just right. I just drink beer too right. goddamn fast. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to. Like the, there's the no, benefit of it. Yeah. The uh, the cooler like I like. Like, if I see you for, getting the full benefit of a Colster, you're a fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. So, like, the cooler I really like, because, I, I mean, I can put, I can go to work and put an entire case of water, and it's, like, cold enough to drink throughout the day and not be miserable. Um, can you do that with other things? Absolutely. You can do it with your Walmart cooler or anything. Um, I love my dog. Pause that button. Real quick, did oh. you see Igloo stepped up their game? No, I haven't. They're yeah. making biodegradable, what is it, repurposed cardboard yeah, or paper like cardboard. coolers. Really? Yeah. It'll hold, like I think, like six cans or something. Yeah. Huh. Well, maybe a little bit more. More impressive, have you seen Igloo's throwbacks to the picnic cooler from 92? 
No. Same funky colors like the teal side, yellow handle, pink lid. Uh, made on the same equipment from the same factory as 1992. No way. And it's a 20-quart cooler, and it's $74, and I kind of want one. Um, the, like, drink... You remember, you remember those? I, I say remember these like I'm old, but back <laughs> when, when were I, you born? 92, the same, <laughs> same year that cooler came out. But they were really popular when I was growing up, the big, like, plastic igloo screwed together thermos with the straw. Uh-huh. We they, had those in lunch boxes. Yeah, exactly, but big. <laughs> and oh, we didn't have lunch boxes. I was homeschooled. Um, the lunch box was just the kitchen and the pantry. Um but they had one of those in that same color combination, and it sold out like that. Um, would I use it? Like Retro. in my mind, I'm like, I need it. But I'm like, why? Well, I have a bunch of bottles from these different other companies and brands, and I love them. Um, right now, my favorite one is that Stanley Growler. Yep. Yep. Um, I can fill that up with water and just drink that all day. Well, like, you know, I was about to say, I, my lab, Cabo, love that love that dog to death yeah. i would love for him to be able to eat his dinner and drink his water out of a out yeti, of a yeti out bowl out of a yeti I'm bowl <laughs> but damn it man like and it oh, same with my dog i haven't had him nearly as long as you've had cabo there's not the years of bonding but i love him and every time i'm at ace getting supplies I'm you look like, at the bo- you're like i'm behind him. i was like man I, i'd love to get that for him I'm like <laughs> But see, I've got that stainless steel eight dollar bowl that's really nice. But see here, job. you know, here's dishwasher the, safe. Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. So everybody sitting at the table behind the mics tonight were a little bit too frugal, a little bit sure, too sure. sensible. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with the Yeti product. Actually, not at all. No, they're great Standing product. It's just. I can't justify that expense. And that's not to say anything negative about Yeti. Like I, I have a Yeti 45 now and I fucking love it. They're great. I've, I've, don't know how I lived without it. Yeah. (laughs) And it it is funny. Here's, here's the crazy part, right? So the typical text on a Saturday night that we're recording is, how are we on beer? Do we need ice? Yep. Yeah. Now I'm like, yeah, pick up beer. But I never say, yeah, I need ice <laughs> no. now. Because yeah. we pack it into the Yeti and like fucking three days from now, I'll be like, no, I'm still good on ice. Yeah. And that's the and that's the crazy thing. Like it really does work. It's really a great yeah, product. Right. And I was just stubborn and wasn't fucking ready to submit. So one of the things I do like with Yeti, if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I have to have a quantifiable, like, I have to have a reason for it. So I got into buying their Ramblers when I was spending five weeks overseas in the Philippines. We would have, we'd use plastic, just dispose, you know, one time used, granted, we'd use them for a week till they stank and then chuck them and get a new one. But outside all day, those things would get 92 degrees or you someone would lean up and crush one against a Jeep and everything in your bag would get soaked. So when I saw those, even though they were pricey, I justified that price to get something with a screw-down lid. And then when they came out with the lid with, like, the bottle opener, so you could, like, 
there's it's really hard bouncing in a World War II era Jeep to go <laughs> right and like slosh water over yourself. That part's easy. The keeping it off of you is the hard part. Right. So those lids, I was able to justify that. The cooler, not so much. They make a just like your Gatorade cooler, screw down a water cooler you, you fill up with cups. Yeti makes one. I think they call it a silo. Uh, it's a six-gallon water cooler with a spigot. And crazy price tag on it. But there's like one of the things I want to do is the Everglades challenge at some point. I'd like to do it before I turn 30, where you have eight days under manpower or wind, no motors, to launch above the high tide line at Fort DeSoto Beach in a boat and sail and or paddle to Key Largo. It's 300 miles, and it's an expedition-style race. And one of the things you have to do is, you know, you're allowed to have some, like there's a couple places you can restock, but you're supposed to kind of pack for the whole trip. And that's one of those things that's like, you know, eight days in a sailboat, it might be kind of nice to have cool water on day six versus like, 80 degree water on day six. So sure. I would probably consider doing that or fill up my 45 with water and just turn that little thing and fill it up and crack it back right. short. But you got like for me, like you said, we're kind of frugal. The blanket, I think it's super cool that one side's waterproof and one side's supposed to be like soft and, and fluffy and nice. And I know friends that have them, but I'm like 200 bucks. Like it's a blanket. That's a lot of blanket. Like, that's not a lot of blanket for 200 bucks. Now, now the one thing that I'm probably going to succumb to, mm-hmm. the Panga bags. I've heard really good things about those bags. Yes. Really good things. If From a lot of people. If Brie <laughs> takes her eye off her bag. It's gone. It's gone. And I'll be like, I don't know. What skip ate it. Yeah, skip ate it. Weird. Did you see that manatee cruising down the intercoastal with a panga on his back? <laughs> Nuts. I leave your camera. And, Crazy right. town. Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't mind because they're as far as I know one of the only ones with zippers that's actually waterproof. A lot of times the zippers will like break down pretty quickly. You got to look at. Isn't like the zipper. XYZ or something. It's, it's a it's a particular. It, it, it's a YKK. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It like is like a particular. A, they call zipper. it like a weld seam zipper. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it keeps up, but it's the only one I know of on the market where everybody I've talked to who's used them and used them in pretty rough environments and and situations like no, dude, that thing's dry. So so have you guys seen? I'm sure you have the photos of the new Yeti store in Charleston. Yeah, someone's I, got a bu- like an eighty percent, eighty percent. It's eighty percent, right? Yep, yep. Eighty <laughs> percent outlaw of an outlaw. And I, I don't know exactly what that means, other than I'm assuming <laughs> that one like yeah, gunnels like just right, not there, just gone. Yeah. Uh, cool. No, it, it, you didn't see the photo of it on the way there. No. Okay, so literally, they, I'm sure, used a laser or something and cut it. <laughs> and there's a photo. You, to, you can't go back in their stores. Wild. And and it's like they're driving behind, and it's the boat <laughs> sitting on the trailer getting towed there, and literally twenty <laughs> percent of the boat <laughs> is is gone. That's cool because would, the installation is it goes to the wall. Yeah. yeah, it goes to that wall. It, and 
my Merc. Your Merc is on the back, and it's kind of nowhere near as contributing a motor, but like I picked that up from you, and I yeah. washed it and bagged it, so Brie could take it. And it was amazing to me how quickly it went, because it didn't have a lower, like all of a lower unit on it. Well, actually, because of the way the boat is done, mm-hmm. the, the lower unit didn't need to be there. Okay. So the lower unit actually... It's better that kind way. Kind of flush it's, with the yeah, ground. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So the cool thing for me... Because it was like damn near a week from me handing that off to Bree in Daytona to it being like cleaned up really nice on the back of a skiff in a Yeti store. And I was like, dang, how did they do that so fast? Because it wasn't in bad shape, but it wasn't that clean when I well, got it Well, so, so exactly. So I even said, I was like, dude, is that the motor that I yeah. said? And he said, it's your motor. But I ended up using my cowling. Gotcha. I was oh, like, yeah, okay. the cowling was a, a little bit rough. So yeah. he had a better cowling to put on it. So my thing is, probably in a week or two, I'll be going through Charleston. Nice. And I'm just trying to figure out, hopefully nobody at Yeti listens to our podcast. Okay. How you can climb in. and. Well, no, I, I want to put like a salt bum sticker on there and... You know, I just don't know. Are they going to rip it off? or They might rip it off, but I think you can do it. Yeah. So. I, I think you I can stick it and have Wilds come and be like, yo, don't touch that sticker. Well, not even, not even that. I mean, well, yeah, you get Wilds. But this, this was mine. Right. Do you mind if I just throw my sticker? On not, my motor? Somewhere inconspicuous, but to where somebody could be like, and oh, maybe, maybe, I just take, maybe I just take a Sharpie and pop open the front hatch and sign it real quick and close it back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, that's funny. I've, I've never been like, I got to get to a Yeti store. Like I got, but go I got to get to that one. But like the one I was like, <laughs> I really want to go inside Dude, that store. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little bit bummed, um, that I didn't know how cool their opening was going to be. Yeah. I'd have tried um, to go up. Did you see like the custom engraved Paul Puckett, Paul Puckett like, stuff? Stuff. Like, I was like, bags. Uh, okay, so I do hope that Yeti listens to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, more of that shit. That's and, what you like. That was cool, dude. I'm one of the most frugal people on the planet, but you want to trick me out of my money? Put Paul Puckett shit on your stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm there. Or when you open a Yeti store in Montana, go put some Montana artist on, like Derek DeYoung. Yeah, exactly. Like I was like, "Dang, dude, that was like." It made me want to get in the car. When they're like, "Yeah, for three days," I was like, "I gotta get to Charleston the next three right. days. I gotta get a Paul Puckett cup. I gotta get this. I gotta get a, a shirt. I can go get a Paul Puckett <laughs> shirt and cup from Flood Tide Co." So, but so Paul is in Montana right now. Yeah. Yep. Um, I saw he was working on a painting yesterday, like a day before street fair type kind of thing. Not. It's probably quite kind of wrong. It's like it's some like event in Montana. Well, I just saw the the photo of the painting, and it was it was a rainbow that he was working on. I have an original Paul Puckett. Um, it's a well, how does he how does he term it? A study uh, a, of a rainbow. It's a real super close up of a rainbow head, mm-hmm. and I want to say. Probably from like 2011. I know it's pre 13. 
yeah, it's 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 a ways back. In any way, um, I saw that painting that he's working on, and I'm like, please don't let that be a commission, and please let me be <laughs> let able me. to somehow afford that because that would be like the really most cool. awesome juxtaposition of yeah, old school Paul Puckett mm-hmm. next to fucking even more badass, even more refined right. Paul Puckett. Yeah. So I got to talk to Paul and find out what the deal is with that one. I was never like, I was kind of always that guy like, Oh, artists, I roll. And I know that sounds really crappy, but it wasn't until I saw some pulp and I don't remember what piece it was first. It may have been one of the ones he's got like the two dudes pulling a skiff in the grass. Um, but when I saw that, I paused. I, it was one of the first paintings to ever make me say, stop and go, wow, that's, that's something. So the first piece of Paul Puckett artwork that I ever got from Paul, I purchased a fly box from Paul with a brook trout mm-hmm. on the side of it that he did specifically... I was working as a fly rod rep, and we were doing a show up in Townsend, Tennessee, Trout Fest. Mm-hmm. And I asked Paul to do that cliff box with the brook trout, which is iconic for the Smoky Mountain National Park, okay. which is where Trout yeah. Fest was. All of the benefits went, went to that. And we we used that piece of artwork on that fly box to get people to sign up for a raffle for that. And, you know, it was one of those deals where it's like, okay, I'm getting this awesome piece of artwork that I'm never going to be able to touch. Right. So I've got to give away. Um, but then uh, I'm sure you guys have seen the, yeah. the yeah. Puckett piece that I've got with the, the float plane and everything. You know, watching Paul's artwork over the years evolve and develop has been just so awesome mm-hmm. and he's fucking talented like oh, yeah. you know whether it's illustrations or paintings and, and it doesn't matter whether it's acrylic or watercolor yeah. or oils like uh, the fucking guy does it all and then you top it off with hey Paul here's a guitar play me a song like fucking the guy right. does the guy yeah. does everything it's fucking crazy and, and it's cool like on the back to kind of like the art thing like there's certain artists that I like, but I only like certain things they do. I mean, the only thing that Paul really has kind of, and I hate to say it, but like fallen short on uh-huh. is podcasting. And the fact it that, is a bummer, you know, like, you know, if he could just cut Mike out of the whole equation, <laughs> it would be so much better. I'm not going to jump on that grenade, but I will say. <laughs> I really miss Barely Live Sessions, and I think it's episode 31. There is this... Doug Rowland recounts the story of picking up his push pole from the Charleston Angler. He had a... It's a 24-foot or 21-foot stiffy push pole, and he didn't have the skiff yet, but he had to go pick it up, and he used a Ford Escape. Yeah, he used mics. Yeah. Yeah to stick it in the back and out the side. And he's talking about driving over the bridge. And some guy like, dude, what is that? And Doug being Doug's like, 
It's a dolphin spear. He's like, it's it's a spear. He's like, what do you do? He's like, we gig for baby dolphins. And the guy like looked at him like he was this savage animal. Well, they cut to break like a few minutes later, and it's a Scoop Callahan commercial, and Will Abbott goes on to this whole thing about stiffy baby dolphin spears and how you can catch your next meal and does this whole fake ad for him. And it's like one of my favorite things on radio. Like, I, I freaking love it. I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. I do the same at Eddie Creek. Doug is back, man. And, I know. And yeah. it's, it's been fucking it's been awesome. Good. Like, new, new low country journal videos. Yep. Like, yeah. You know. Doug, if you're listening. Keep it up, buddy. Keep it up. Don't stop. Don't stop. <laughs> Creating. Well, um, Ben, do you have anything else on your uh, mm. list of topics? There was a short conversation about sand fleas, but I don't think that's relevant anymore. Um, that's Well, I think that we could probably dovetail that back into earlier about if she's the one that itches <laughs> and there you go there you go boom also could be sand fleas biting so watch out for that be be careful of location you do it <laughs> yeah mark anything no well I'm uh, good i think uh with the lateness of the hour and the fact that i believe you have to be headed to the airport here shortly yeah. We should probably start thinking about wrapping yeah. it up. Hey, it's been episode 30. Can you believe it's been that many? Yeah. Taylor Trash Fly Fishing. We'll catch you guys the next time. See you on the flip.
my lip starts to shake How does she know who I am? And why does she give a damn about? I've got two tickets to Why are you still listening? It's not like you're going to get like some sneak preview of Down the Path, episode number six. Go ahead and turn it off. If you're on iTunes, five stars and a review. Anywhere else, I guess it really doesn't matter. But uh, it's time to get back to work. Like people in the other cubicle have been wondering why the fuck you've been laughing or grimacing or whatever it is you've been doing. So wrap it up, turn the shit off and get back to work. <laughs>